Thank you for listening to the Faith Free Lutheran Church Sermon Archive. Today's sermon for the second Wednesday in Advent, December 8th, 2021, is preached by Pastor Steve Munfrom. If you have questions or comments regarding today's message, please call the church office at 612-824-5527 or visit our website at faithlutheran-aflc.org. Our passage uh, for consideration this evening is from the Gospel of Luke. I will be reading uh, from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35. Stand with me, please, for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 25. And there is a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for them the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord... You are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace, according to your word. For my my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And the sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ Uh, given to us in the word, uh, that we encounter our Savior on page after page after page, and here we meet him as Savior of the world, as uh, the one in whom the destiny of every man, woman, and child will be realized. Uh, You cannot escape Jesus. None of us can. He is appointed for the rise and fall of all. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that according to your mercy and by the gracious working of your Spirit, tonight we would rise in the name of Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Please be seated. So our Advent theme that is, uh, I think, just wonderfully chosen is uh, Christmas, how the words I put it into, Christmas characters respond to the birth of Christ. Different characters in the birth of Christ, and we encounter them in their response to the Christ child. You know, that's... You think about response, just a response... Our whole Christian lives 
are, is nothing but a response. That's, that's all it is. Our whole Christian lives, we could even say our whole lives altogether are nothing but a response. Because, because God is always, he's always first, right? That's, what it, that's part of being God, right? You're first. And he always, always, always acts first. He, he, he creates us and we exist. He gives us life and we live it. He makes the sun rise and we enjoy the sun. He makes the sun set and we go to bed. He loves and perhaps for many he, we love back as scripture says. He commands, we obey, it goes on and on and on. We could, we could just endlessly, practically, observe that that's always our case with God. He's always first. And the only thing that's really left to us is response. We can respond well or we can respond poorly. And certainly in the passage that we looked at last week with the shepherds, they responded well. In our text tonight, we have Simeon, and he responds well. In uh, Pastor Goodham's text next week, looks like there's probably both responses, a good and a bad one. There are some better responses, of course, and there are some awful responses. And there's even perhaps people we might say aren't responding at all, but they are. They, they are responding. They are responding by disinterest, which is, which, which is a, a, a completely wrong response. So, so we just have to accept that that's how our relationship with God will always be. It's the relationship of the believer, but it's also the relationship of the unbeliever. They both are doing nothing but responding to God's first action, uh, God's first words to us, God's first uh, attempt to love us. Uh, ev everything begins with God. And then we notice in the passages that are before us that all of the good responses had help. Okay. All of them had help, right? Uh, so, that, so that the response is 100% credited to God. Now, this is kind of a tricky thing, theologically maybe, that absolutely it is necessary for every human being to respond to God. We truly respond. But every good response has to be credited 100% to God because of what Scripture teaches us about our natural condition. Our natural condition is already a response to God, a response of hate, a response of distrust, a response that Scripture calls enmity. We are already in that response. So every time we find a character in Scripture or we find it in our lives, uh, the right response, it is always 100% to God's credit that he has brought about that response in his gracious work through his word and spirit. So tonight, God offers his help to you that you might respond rightly to Jesus. 
There's no question, I don't think, that because the word of God will be proclaimed and the spirit is working with the word, his help will be for you to respond rightly to Jesus. Well, you know, we already all know, if, if you pay attention, we already know Simeon's response, right? Because, let's see, today is Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Sunday, three days ago, one, we, all, we all said it, right here in this place, right? Because it's part of our communion liturgy, the long liturgy that we use uh, at the beginning of the month. The so-called, my Latin is awful, but nunc dimittis. You want to all say that together? No, we won't do that. But the nunc dimittis, part of our communion liturgy, comes at the end. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of of your people Israel. And now you're all thinking, well, yeah, no wonder that sounded familiar when he read the passage. Yeah, we say that in church. We say that at the end of the communion service. It is a departure prayer. Good to, good to pray when we start, right? We pray at the beginning. Good to pray when we, when we end. And so there in the communion service is a departure prayer. So you think about that as we say that in the communion service, that, okay, this is the prayer now that we pray as we depart. Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. A departure prayer. Well, think about that departure prayer. Are we saying, now, Lord, I'm ready to go home and have my Sunday dinner and do whatever else I might do, that we are departing to go to our homes. And I suppose there's, that's appropriate. Appropriate as you come to the end of our worship service to ask God, to, to acknowledge God's blessings upon us and, and thank him and, and ask for his continued work in our lives as we depart to go home. And I suppose if that's how you think about it, that's okay. But, but if you go back to Luke, that's not the departure that we're praying about. The departure that we're praying about is our departure from this life. It is the departure of death. And that's pretty cool, I think. Because, because when we come in response to Christ's invitation and kneel here at the altar and receive his true body and blood, and we do that in faith, we do that believing the promises of God that are given to us in Christ, we can depart from the table and say to God, God, I am now ready to die. I'm ready to die. And so far, none of us have. That's why we're all here tonight. But, but, but the point is, 
that were ready to die. Because God has invited us to come to Jesus with our sins, and we come to Jesus with our sins by coming to the altar and receiving his body and blood, and when you do that, when you respond to that invitation by coming and kneeling in faith and receiving his gifts, you are ready to die. I can, in the name of Jesus, based upon the promises of the gospel, assure you that you are ready to die. That uh, maybe not everything in your life is ready to die. Maybe, maybe, there's, maybe your will isn't written and maybe there's other things. <laughs> but in terms of heaven and hell, eternal life or eternal condemnation, that we're ready to die. That that's what that departure prayer is about. And now maybe when we do that, in the future we will pay a little bit more attention to what we're doing in our worship service because it's always meaningful. And so we have the opportunity tonight to, to look more closely at Simeon and his departure prayer. And the thing that amazes me as I think about Simeon and this, this godly response of Simeon to the coming of Christ, I, I just observe two things, two parts of Simeon's godly response to the coming of Christ. And the first one is that he is, he is satisfied with Christ. That, that, that he says, okay, God, in, in all of my life, and it tells us about the old lady in the second part of the story, it tells us about Anna, how old she was, or you can kind of do the math and figure it out. It doesn't really tell us how old Simeon was, but we can, we can suppose he was at least full-grown and maybe even elderly. And uh, he had seen a lot of things, no doubt, in his life. But he says, now I've seen what I need to see. And I can depart this life in peace. Now Gideon, or excuse me, Simeon, was a godly, devout believer. He is described that way for us in the passage of Scripture. He was devout, God-fearing, Righteous, the scripture uses that word. Uh, not, I don't think, indicating necessarily his own righteousness, but righteous in Christ. He was a true believer. And uh, he finds great comfort in this fact that Jesus has come. That he wants peace for his people. He's described as, as waiting for the consolation of Israel. Looking for the consolation of Israel. He wants to see the coming of the promised one. And here he comes to Mary and Joseph and the Christ child as they enter into the temple. And by the help of the Holy Spirit, it's uh, help of the Holy Spirit, Simeon recognizes Christ and he rests in Christ and he says, now my eyes have seen God's gift of salvation with his very own eyes, he has looked upon this Christ child, this promised Messiah. The light has shone on him. The light that has been given to the world, the light of the world has come. And he's satisfied. He's ready to go. We don't know anything else about Simeon's life, as far as I know, except this one instant, this, just this one thing. As far as I know, is all we know about Simeon. 
And no doubt he had a life probably pretty much like our lives with its, with its good things and its bad things. He had his problems and his troubles. And yet he can say when he sees Jesus, now I have seen all that I need to see. I have seen Christ. What more is there to see? I call this satisfaction. Maybe the best word is the one that, that Luke uses to describe him. He is waiting for the consolation of Israel. He is consoled. He is at peace. He says, now let your servant depart in peace. That is the right response to Jesus. To rest in him. To have peace in him. We don't know how much longer Simeon may have lived when he actually died. But we do know when he rested in Christ. He rested in Christ here and saw in Christ his true rest. And that's just a wonderful response to the promises that are fulfilled in Christ. Rest. You know, the world does not offer us much rest. There's work to be done and neighbors to be cared about, church to participate in, and, and the news that undermines our rest almost continually. But to be able to look and see that Christ has come and then say, okay, now I have seen all that I need to see and I rest in him is our first example then of a right response to Jesus. So our second response. We've already noted that Simeon got lots of help in recognizing Jesus uh, three times in those first few verses, it is mentioned uh, that he is helped by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it tells us in verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Again in verse 26, it was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And again in verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple. So, so he's got the help that he needs. The Holy Spirit has, through the word, made the truth known to him. No one would ever realize who Jesus was without that help of the Holy Spirit. And having that help or having that grace, we see Simeon make his second godly response to Jesus. And that is the response that we could call confession or we could call a witnessing uh, he speaks forth the truth. He, uh, he, he, is, he is a mouthpiece of, of the Holy Spirit so that others may see who this Jesus is. We see here in verse 33, his father and mother, they are amazed at the things that are being said about him. And that's part of Simeon. You, you got a pretty special child here. Mom and dad, which, of course, is said under lots of circumstances that aren't the same as this one. Here, that special child is further described as Simeon makes his confession, and he acknowledges Jesus to be 
the salvation of God, which has been prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. And that's, that's Simeon's confession. To agree with God about his truth and to witness it to all who might be there to hear. What a great, proper response to Jesus that we would confess. And we find this many places in Scripture, don't we? Confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Confess, in the words of Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, to confess. To bear witness to the faith that God has granted us in this Jesus. Now I think it looks to me at least a lot like public witness. It's interesting that, the, that at the beginning it tells us this, uh, at least in verse 34, no, in uh, verse 28. He takes the baby into his arms and blessed God and said, so I, I don't know if we should read that to say that he was speaking only to God or if he was actually communicating with all those who were there. But, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter. Because Simeon's witness becomes public through Luke, right? Luke makes Simeon's confession a confession to all of us as he records it in his gospel. And so ultimately it is a confession to all of us of what Jesus is, but it is still a confession that comes through Simeon. Simeon, in his godly, faithful response to Christ, is a true confessor. And then, and then it tells us he, he has words especially for Mary. In uh, verse 34, then, Simon blessed Mary and Joseph and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul, a, a, a prediction of the suffering that Mary would witness, suffering of Christ that Mary would witness, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Simeon says to his parents, you have a special child. But again, that's not just Simeon's opinion. We all often express our opinion about other people's children, maybe more than we should sometimes, but this is not Simeon's opinion. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through Simeon's true confession. For the fall and rise of many. And that's like other passages of Scripture where the word many really means all. And I think that's true here because based upon what Scripture says, everyone... Everyone here tonight, everyone in the world will either fall or rise in and through Christ. That those are the only responses. Those are the only outcomes. Some will rise as they receive the good news of Jesus, are contented in it, 
believing in it, resting in it, at peace in it, they will rise. Thinking of the many passages of Scripture that, that remind us as Christians of our rising with Christ. We have been raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2. We rise with him. Others will fall on account of Jesus by their own sin. In relation to the truth about Jesus, they will fall because of their own sin and unbelief. And we already observe that that's our nature. We already start out in that fallen condition. And when, the, when God graciously, through his word, uh, brings the truth of Jesus to our, to our lives and to where we see him and where he's revealed to us, right before our eyes in the word, Believe, trust in this Jesus and rest in him because the confessions that the godly make, whether it's Simeon or Luke or all the gospel writers, all the scripture writers, they are true revelations to us of Jesus. And Jesus comes into the world so that the world may respond to him. You know, thinking about a godly response to Jesus. It's clear from this passage and many other passages of Scripture that a, that a right response to Jesus is, is absolutely necessary. But, but I want to make it perfectly clear that we, that we are not saved by our right response. Salvation occurs on the cross. 100% on the cross before any of us ever respond sin is forgiven and grace is extended our, our response doesn't enter into the equation by which our sins are forgiven and we are counted righteous our response is just that it becomes ours and it becomes ours by the, by the gracious truth of the word of God that is presented to us in this passage and in passage after passage of scripture that prompts us to believe and to rest in Jesus. And for that, for the salvation that is completed 100% in Jesus and given to us complete in itself, we praise and thank God tonight. Amen.